0: Welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk Podcast. Uh, Here at Pillow Talk, we're trying to bridge the gap between entrepreneurship, culture, creativity, healthcare, mindset, and creativity. Uh, I might have repeated that. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I'm your uh, your host, uh, Norman. I'm a third-year pharmacy student at UT College of Pharmacy. I'm just trying to do all the above. And um, yeah, so today I'm here with an amazing guest, Dr. Opeman and he is the Eli Lilly startup strategy leader, as well as the co-founder and chief business officer at PILS, or Pharmacy Initiative Leaders. And it's an amazing initiative and uh, something I've been able to be a part of through uh, my connections with SNAFA, or Student National Pharmaceutical Association. And uh, just really, really look up to uh, Dr. Oppenman and everything he's been doing in his journey, as well as his story and uh, his personal brand and how he wants to build a legacy. Uh, but before I go into all that, and we have plenty of great questions that we want to go through, uh, Dr. Oberman, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and uh, kind of go through that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. And Norman, thank you again for this opportunity. Um, as you can probably see if you're watching, um, or, or at least you'll hear it now, I'm representing both UH, UH Go Cougs and Texas Southern, both of my op- um, alma maters and, and um, Texas Bread through and through. So um, definitely with my people over there that are experiencing some of the the winter weather and storms but um just to give a brief background on myself I'm the first of three boys parents came here from nigeria um, dad named me after georgetown which is the university in dc where he came from nigeria um, and that's how i got to name george uh growing up uh played ball at stafford high um, had some scholarships and didn't really know what i was going to do after school i thought i played ball um, until i went to nigeria uh, met my grandparents for the first time and then also met um, the doctor, um, which literally was a pharmacist who my parents named me after, who took care of our entire family. And his name was Osuzua. And so c- seeing that and, and having that um, opportunity to really see where I came from, literally, but then figuratively to, to see how intentional my parents were with raising me and, and giving me that, my name. Uh, it's something that that uh, positioned my mind to look forward to your point of, of legacy and, and really doing things that are bigger than me. And so that's where I pivoted into pharmacy, which my dad has been trying to do forever. He pulled out his golden ticket to uh, get me to Nigeria to, to, to see that light. Um, and, and that's when I started at U of H. Um, also started working at CVS at that time. Um, and that's when I understood the basics and the foundations of pharmacy and, and not just about quote unquote counting pills, but um, Annie Koshi, who was my pharmacist in charge at that time, she really challenged me to understand people. And she knew people by the top of their cars in the drive through she always was the pharmacist who every single time went out of the counter to go open the restroom for people instead of sending her text to do it. She's always the person that stopped um, her, her, whatever she was doing from counseling after the fact to go out and, and tell people what milk to get or, or what um, diapers to get. And, and that, I said those things intentionally because those aren't traditionally things that pharmacists um, are, are known for in the, the, the CVS or, or Walgreens stores. And so that just really positioned my mind into and, and hey, the personal touch the pharmacist can have even in, after doing 500 scripts a day. Um, but I also knew I wanted to do something non-traditional. While that was an awesome foundation, um, it, it casted my mind to, hey, I want to do something really big um, and, and generationally changing. And so for me, um, joining SNAFA was my first inkling to get to do that, um, where I got to lead people outside of my day-to-day, um, fast forwarding, did University of Houston for my undergrad, then got to go to Texas Southern for pharmacy school. Um, And that's where I became a CAS coordinator at first um, because of my connections to uh, U of H and TSU. Um, And then fast forward, it froze all the way to leading the first ever conference in Houston um, for SNAPFA with my dream team, Femi, um, Dijamila and Amanda. And then the year after that, I'm winning national vice president and and the rest is history after that. Um, When I got to get to to become national vice president, it wasn't about the role. It was more about, again, leading 17 um, amazing board members, but then 5,000 people outside of that. And, um, after doing that for a year and also getting an internship at BMS and the FDA, I knew that I wanted to go into the pharmaceutical industry because to me it was about building and leading teams, but then also um, getting to do new and non-traditional things after that. And so um, knowing that I've been talking for a little bit, I'll fast forward my story. I became, I want to make sure this is clear. I did not get my fellowship the first time that I tried. I, I pursued a fellowship right after graduation, didn't get it. And I, I want people that are listening to this to understand, although my path looks so Successful right now. I had a lot of failures and hiccups um, along the way, which I think is important and also builds character. Um, and I knew, uh, lucky enough, I had that same store, fifty-two, seventy-three in Houston, Texas, um, nice. that I got to work for after the fact um, because I already had that job. Um, but then I knew I wanted to get in the industry, so I tried again the following year. Got four offers. Decided to go to Lilly. We I can get into why later. Um, and got and uh, became the first person from Texas Southern to be a visiting scientist fellow. Became the first business science fellow to be directly in marketing. Um, after that, became the only pharmacist and first to be in, in consumer marketing. And now I'm in the position I am now. It's a newly created position. And so um, I pride myself in creating new um, opportunities, but not just for me. I, I guarantee, and um, I shouldn't say guarantee, but I try my hardest to make sure there's a second, third, and fourth. Yep. And I've been pretty successful in doing that. Um, so that's a little bit about me in a fast-forwarded way. I know I've been talking for some time, but we'll get into some of the details of those decisions sure. and how they've shaped me. Um, over time
0: well for sure like everything you just said resonated a lot with me like going back seeing your uh your your homeland and, and seeing your your culture and seeing where you came from that helps ground you and i think that's that's a really big key and i think we'll touch on that later and then as well as the the wanting to give back wanting to lead uh but lead by example and create a legacy for yourself uh but not just for yourself but for the people that follow you and then, um, as yeah, well yeah. as, yeah, and then as well, I think the word came up a lot non traditional, non traditional, non traditional. And I think we'll, we'll definitely touch into like, how maybe some of your experiences led you to, to kind of self discovery of, yeah, maybe non traditional is, is, is the path for me. Um, and clearly that's, that's resonating or exemplified now by your current role as a startup strategy leader at Eli Lilly Company. Um, but yeah, so let's go into kind of the first topic that we wanted to hit here. Which was uh, the creation and the thesis behind pills or pharmacy initiative leaders. So uh, I interact with a lot of uh, people from there. I know uh, a lot of the other co-founders, Brian Sackey, and uh, remind me of the name. Uh, it's, it passes me.
1: Josh. Josh. Yeah, Brian, yeah. Josh, and Onye. So those are yeah. those are the four co-founders. Um,
0: so there yeah, you go. yeah, and and. Obviously uh, I've been able to interact with you a lot and help out with uh, pills wherever I can. And as well as just SNAFA in general, uh, being on the uh, national board for bridging the gap uh, chair. And, uh, but yeah, just can we, can we hear like, what was your thinking behind when you cre- when you were helping co-found uh, pills or pharmacy initiative leaders, what was kind of the thinking behind it? Uh, were you, were you trying to serve the other just like SNAFA? Was there an intention to create more leadership? What, what was the thinking there?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to take a couple of steps back. I know when we say co-found, and this goes for any startup or any, any company, you really want to dig in and find the true origin story. And okay. so the true origin story is um, really with Brian. Brian um, mm-hmm. Saki, who is the founder. So there's founders and co-founders. Um, the founder of Pills started at Howard University. And if you know anything about Howard, it's honestly probably where a lot of things start for the first time um, mm-hmm. when you talk about the Black community. Um, and just knowing Brian, Brian's story and and he can give it more personally, but just said at the highest level, he started the organization after not seeing, um, an organization for him, um, Mm. that was going to help him get to where he needed to go. And quick story on Brian, Brian, very, very smart coming from the DC area. Um, he didn't have, his grades didn't show how smart he was and he probably didn't have a lot of people rooting for him. Mm. And there was every organization that was there and those organizations were able to help him. So he decided to create his own. Um, and, and we think of that mentality in in all of our co-founders. But again, that was something that um, was started at Howard, and and it's still even actually there today. But if you think about it, um, a company, any company, um, if you want it to get bigger, you can't do it by yourself. And so mm-hmm. as Brian started to see, like, wow, um, he's about to graduate. He's about to he wants what he has created to be expanded. Um, he looked to the first person as his first, I wouldn't call it higher, but person number two at uh, Pills, Josh Blackwell. And they got lucky in a residency opportunity um, to where both they met in Houston. Um, and Josh is, is one of my best friends, my brother. Um, and we had served together on the national board um, for SNAFA. Um, and same with Onye. And so I became person number three and Onye person number four. And, and uh, all of us together were able to take our collective backgrounds in national leadership um then Brian's Seed and and sowing what he sowed and Howard to take it um, bigger. Um, you said something about SNAFA, and, and I'll be very clear. Like, SNAFA is is still um, an organization that has my heart because it grew um, mm-hmm. my skills. And we talk about non traditional SNAFA before me didn't have an executive chairman or an executive consultants or some of the mm-hmm. partnerships they have today. Like, I was the hands. I'm the first executive chairman first. Right, consultant and, kind of and so I'm, I'm able to see how to like expand an organization and expand opportunities that weren't existing before me it was my my place where it grew my leadership style and let me know what's possible right so when we started to to create pills at a national scale and we took it to amplify what brian had already started and and this is where the co-founders start it's one thing to found it in a pocket it's another thing to take the organization if you want to call it public oh, ipo right. it um and right. so as, as we talked about that that's where Um, Literally, he couldn't do that without myself, Josh, and Onya, even by documentation because that's what it takes, but then also vision and what we don't want to do. And so there's already, when we talk about non-traditional, SNAPA is, in a good way, a traditional engine that every year is going to have 5,000 students, it's going to have 100 chapters, one day it'll have 200, and we didn't want to recreate that wheel. What we saw the gap was, and that we don't want to just bridge a gap, we want to close the gap, is making sure that pharmacists are connected across every stage of healthcare. Um, and when we talk about that, not just pharmacists in pharmacy areas, but outside of pharmacy areas, it's healthcare. Healthcare moving forward is gonna be in tech. Healthcare moving forward is gonna be at the barbershop. Healthcare moving forward is gonna be um, in creativity and artwork, in buying homes, in all of these things. And as we think of that, we have our roadmap, but how could we start with the vision of being in places and spaces where um, pharmacists are not at first originally, but then building a pipeline and a future place to where um, we're gonna be at every stage. And that's where that came from. Um, and then talking about the thesis of, of pills, in short, as we're taking it to where we're taking it, it's about empowering exponentially diversity. And pharmacists are diverse, um, not just by color of skin, but as you think of the healthcare facet community. Anytime someone thinks about healthcare, they think about doctors, nurses, um, those types of things. So pharmacists, by just even saying pharmacists, we're talking about the diverse sets of skills and multidisciplinary um, functions that pharmacists have and making sure it is at every stage. Um, and so we wanna continue that. And we're, we're starting traditionally with the foundation of, okay, let's make sure we solidify as a company that's able to pipeline diversity into fellowships and residencies. Like that's our bread and butter. Let's make sure that we're able to have an ambassadors community. So we, we understand that we have a community and let's make sure that we're able to pro- provide um, people with coaches and, and um, proteges and, and things that we're making sure we have people taking care of people and pulling them, not just, telling them, but pulling them, coaching them, and promoting them, propelling them to places that they need to be. So in short, being making sure that pharmacists are at every stage of healthcare is what we we, we aim to do. And we're going to do that in a lot of non-traditional ways.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing, because that really resonates with me, like amplifying those words, and then cultivating and, and just really helping build the, those foundations for pharmacy students and pharmacists to be at every single stage of healthcare. That's 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 an uh, ambitious goal but y'all are clearly doing it especially I love the part about the mentorship program the ambassadorship program where you're creating a pipeline of mentors to pass on their knowledge and and bring up other uh other people who want to have that experience or want to learn more Uh, I was part of uh university leadership network in undergrad uh at UT Austin and um it was a program designated specifically for uh, underserved, uh, first-generation, um, non-traditional uh, first-year undergraduates at UT Austin, which is a traditionally a you know, white institution. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, no, it was uh, being part of that program. I, I ended up becoming a uh, lead mentor, peer mentor, uh, and then seeing building that mentorship program, being able to create programs that could could cultivate leaders and cultivate mentors that we're able to pass on and and help bring up those other uh, mentees especially when you know coming from a small town or coming from the inner city xyz and you're coming to this this big institution very culturally diverse and it's very much a culture shock and and coming into that uh, when you're able to provide a sense of community for them provide resources for them uh, so that they can prof- develop as professionals i think that's a lot of what you uh, y'all do at at pills and i think that's that's very admirable uh, because i resonate with that a lot from my past experience, we had over uh, at at a given point, it's two thousand students, uh, five hundred in each four-year cohort. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so yeah, that definitely resonates with me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, with that, uh, I just I just love the thesis of of Hills um, as and obviously with my connections with Snafa, but um, moving on t- uh, to that point, so we've kind of met, uh, interacted a lot through through Instagram and uh, clearly you have a great personal brand that you've been able to kind of to cultivate around the, uh, building up pills, but as well as utilizing that personal brand uh, to help bring up uh, other pharmacy students as well as kind of leverage that into your, uh, possibly your new position. Maybe they took a look at your personal brand whenever they were thinking of you for this new position or creating this new position for you at Eli Lilly. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Like, what does it mean to have personal brand in pharmacy as well as just otherwise in general can you speak especially in a 2021
1: yeah yeah Yeah, i'll probably take this from gary v but i definitely believe like a personal brand is more about a personal reputation um and a Mm -hmm. reputation being like what are people saying about you before you enter the room when you're not in the room um but they can only say that based off of the outcomes and results you've continued to produce i mean so in short personal brand to me is more about a reputation. Um, and so to the point of my current role inside Eli Lilly, like a lot of stuff I've done outside of Lilly, great. But inside of Lilly, um, I was also a co-founder of our first ever um, Young Professionals um, Employee Resource Group, we called it Early Career Professionals. I was in charge of the branding and the strategy there. And that organization grew from about, what, five to seven co-founders across the company to the 2,000 members that it has now. That's probably one of the biggest things that I was known for initially. And when you think of that, that was in, what, 2015, 2016? Um, and then fast forward, um, started another organization called LEAP, Leverage, Engage, and Advanced Pharmacists. Mm-hmm. And so that's an organization that is similar to Pills, but inside of Eli Lilly to where we're able to partner with organizations like SNAP and IPHO, but mm-hmm. then also give and find a way to give uh, scholarships and, and money to them through our business case. Um, and then also through other partnerships that we're even doing moving forward and, and then start is LEAP at Lilly, and it's also even – um, help to transform the way we name and call things internally at Lilly. <clears throat> and then the last thing I'll say is being the chairman of our MAD team, which is our marketing associates development team, which I just rolled off as a chair for the last two years, but I'm, I'm the executive chairman now and helping to coach the current chairs. Um, mm-hmm. But that organization inside of Lilly, um, is pretty much has all the top marketers at the um, associate level. Um, and we've been able to shape um, the way Lilly does marketing from a community, a clarity of roles and a consistency of, of outcomes standpoint. And so those three, um, roles back to back to back. Um, I think was something to your point. I haven't even talked about my work of leading um, from a brand standpoint of vaccine and leading that work um, mm-hmm. to where people are like, okay, okay, uh, he thinks a little differently. He he has some mm-hmm. of the skill sets that are you can't really put on paper, and he's able to to help and harness teams. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely something that's put me where I'm at today. But as I think about reputation just globally, I think um, I think about it from uh, a standpoint of inside of where I work, so my corporation, and then outside in terms of community and bringing those two together. And so how am I having a reputation that is almost, and the people that I, I mentor um, or coach um, hear me say this all the time, how am I pendulum swinging? So how am I using my skills and my gifts and pendulum swinging them between the corporate world and the non-corporate world, the social, the social, or um, if you want to call it community? And um, if you look at my skill set or your skill set or anyone's skill set, a lot of people talk about turning it off when they get off of work and i've just figured out a way to be who i am um in the company and outside the company and that's why i call it the pendulum swing and if you look at a lot of my roles and what i do it's kind of the same thing but then it's not because then i'm pulling from the resources we have resources at eli Lilly that we don't have a pill but Mm -hmm. vice versa at the same time helping to find ways to find a middle ground that's where there's leap but then also within there that's where i'm getting some of the coaching and guidance and getting even more protégés throughout those. And then they're helping to spread across the same thing. And when you do that, mm-hmm. that's the exponential thing. And it's just mm-hmm. like like money, it capitalizes over time. And then it becomes something that is like it's a rolling yep. reputation, yep. taking mm-hmm. it back to where we started. And if mm-hmm. you do it over and over again, just like an athlete, just like someone that's a, a doctor or anything like that, you keep doing stuff over and over again, you get better and better and better, and, and it becomes your reputation. No one's questioning LeBron James. He doesn't have a personal brand. Yeah. I mean, he does but he does. the point is he's lebron james <laughs> and so yeah. anything he does he's now getting into movies he's now getting into alcohol he's getting into clothing he's getting into um building like a house um and when I have a house a creative house in terms of um those types of things Mod people pizza, are going to be investing yep think thinking about exactly and it becomes over time it's like i mean he just he's great like everybody wants to work with lebron which by nature he was already going to be great but he's turned his greatness he's pendulum swung into his basketball skills, into his friendships, his life, his relationships, his investments, and things like that. And so those are the types of people. Kobe obviously was on his, on his way doing that too. Those are the types of people that um, I emulate or I, I look up to um, in the sports world. But then how do I bring that into the corporate world? But then also how do I share that with my protégés, i.e. the Chelseas, the Yannis, um, and, and people like that, um, the Mitches, to make sure that people are also getting from me, not when I make it to wherever I make it to, but along the way. Um, that's the reputation that I want to have, that I'm building, I'm not waiting until the end that my legacy is built. Like I'm building not just my legacy, I'm building our legacy. Um, and people are a part of that legacy so that they're also understanding how to build a legacy for themselves as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's just your personal reputation. And yeah, and your experiences have, are just the, the what that exemplify what your why is what your legacy wants to be. And uh, yeah, it's it's not about, uh, for me, like how I define personal brand, it's it's how you help other people, right? And clearly, you've demonstrated that through your, your roles, but as well as through Libet at Lily and through creating pills, as well as just your general personal brand and how people know you when you walk into the room. And just like LeBron does as well. Um, but yeah, do you have any concrete tips uh, for I guess for um, for pharmacy students or for students in general or just people in general for for how to create a personal brand
1: yeah so concrete and i i I will say that um, whatever i'm about to say right now is not something i thought about for a long time so Mm. i'll just try to think of how i was blessed to to come into where i'm at today Um, and when i think of it obviously i've had a lot of roles and people can look at all the things that happened. but again it it probably started from a space of um, wanting to to give before I got and wanting to give to people before I got anything else. And, and as I think of that, just that holistically, um, I had to also know myself and know what I wanted to give. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the easiest thing is giving your time. The easiest thing is being involved in, and in, I mean, again, going all the way back to, to Stafford High School, I was always involved in something, whether it was mm-hmm. refereeing um, for the student, SYBA um, Stafford Youth Basketball Association. Um, and again, yeah, I got paid here and there, but again, I still, it still it still was a kind of a volunteer type of thing to mm-hmm. fast forward to, to U of H, still to join a black student union or becoming an alpha. Um, and those things again, at, at the surface sounds like, oh, just an organization, but those organizations um, groomed me to understand even in terms of being a part of those organizations, you had to give of yourself and of your time um, mm-hmm. before you got, the, the, you got to reap the rewards of what those organizations were. So then giving and being a part of SNAPA. And so as I think of the fast forward of that is one, having a mentality of giving um it's part one part two really understanding and knowing yourself having the reflection time to know yourself and know the gifts that you want to give and so um as you're giving you're giving a gift a gift literally is free yep. you're not re- you're not getting any return of the gift mm-hmm. and when you understand your gift and you give it away for free that's when it's truly a gift but you have to know what that is so taking yep. the time to reflect, to reflect i got lucky so concreteness yeah. i got i got lucky to where i was probably a part of this, the Snap leadership team we got to do the Berkman method, which is um, any one of these colorful leadership um, things that tell you your color, if you're red, blue, green, or um, I'm forgetting the names of other ones right now, um, but there's all these different free um, uh, quizzes or tests that you can take that tell you more about yourself. Um, Standout is another one that we do at Lilly. Um,
0: Gallup Strength uh, Finders.
1: Strength Finders, all of those types of oh. things. And so taking the time, and even it might cost ten dollars to twenty dollars to do it. Um, yeah. Obviously, Snapchat pays for hours, and ours cost more. Um, but taking the time—that's a very concrete thing, because then you'll see it'll actually write out a story about you, and you'll be surprised just how—even if it's not a hundred percent—it's ninety percent or eighty percent of like <clears throat> who you are and what you're what you're you're into. And if you take a couple of those, you start to see themes. So really, under using those themes to understand who you are. And then the last thing I'll say is, so many people have the mindset. So many people do or give the gifts. And that third part of it is to really um, do that consistently over time so that Mm -hmm. it compounds. Again, when you're able to really have a mindset of of giving over time, when you're able to truly give of your gift, and let's just say your gift is public speaking, because I'm going to use that as a concrete example. Mm -hmm. As you continue to give away your gift of public speaking, hopefully you get paid one day. But um, (laughs) even as you're giving away and talking to students and things like that, you start to refine that gift and you start to see and start to see themes of that gift to where lastly... As you're doing it over time for three years, four years, 10 years, you get to do um, a couple of TED Talks, you get to do, um, you get to write a book off of your learnings, you get to see the themes of what you've been talking about to really wrap that up and package it um, in the world to, again, have that reputation. And you'll be surprised, again, staying on public speaking, how that also puts you in the front to lead people, lead things, which then literally directly goes into your professional Um, job and professional opportunity that you have because you're publicly speaking and sharing um, the gift that you have. I just use that as an example, but um, using that example, using that mentality, um, those are probably the three things I'd say. One, being able to have a mentality of giving. Two, being Mm -hmm. able to to give your gift and and hone it um, Mm -hmm. over time. And three, be able to do that consistently. That being the mentality and the gift giving um, of whatever that is that means to you. And If you can do those three things, Things will start to shape around that, but right. um, so many people don't stay stay consistent, and so many people are wanting to charge for their gifts when they're just getting started. Of course, over time, when you've been doing it for four or five years, you definitely want to um, start to earn off of that. But initially, you're learning you're, you're you're learning just as much as people are learning from you. Building your a of giving it mm-hmm. away
0: for free, building yep. your brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. that's, That's. Y'all heard it here. Anybody who's watching, y'all heard it here. Those three tips right there. For me, the hardest part wasn't necessarily like the second point, like the, um, the authenticity, knowing yourself, taking these tests, taking the time to read more books, read, find out more resources about, you know, what are my strengths, what are my talents? What, what value do I offer to the world, to society, to my profession, uh, to my family, to my friends? Those, it was just all about asking the right questions for myself. But then the third point I think was what really hit home for me because it's it goes consistency right patience, we often think that oh I know myself, I, I have the talent, I know how to I always give I give 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 but it's not coming to me right away. And a lot of us get frustrated because we, we expect results right away and uh, it's the concept of uh, instant gratification right uh, versus delayed gratification and it's knowing that. It's all about loving the process, right? Like Joel Embiid, love. It's all about the process, right? Um, but yeah, just knowing that you have to truly love what you're doing, what you offer to the world, how you give it, and you know how you box it and give it out, whether it's through social media, whether it's through your organization, whether it's through uh, through your um, through company, whatever that is, how you how you do that, knowing that it's going to lead to the end result in the end, and thinking with the end in mind, I think is super key uh, to to being patient because if you get too lost in the sauce and you're, you're all about the likes, you're all about the comments, you're all about the people praising you and you get too high on that. It, it, it tends to lead to, to, I guess, egotistical thinking or just getting too high and mighty on yourself. And then when something doesn't go your way, you kind of fall off the tracks and you, you lead off, you stray off the the, the beaten path. Right. And yeah. And go for it.
1: No, and even just because to, to, I'm hearing you and, and knowing you and your, your background and then knowing myself too, um, what I can also see people saying is like, how do you stay consistent? Mm. Um, and the one thing I didn't say is probably the cherry on top is to make sure that you are taking time for yourself to pour mm. into yourself. Because you said you said you talked about the books you talked about, and I think about even as you're talking, some of the things mm-hmm. that have poured into me. And and it's funny, like being a part of snapha or being a part of pills um, does refill my cup because I get to, while you're giving... Mm -hmm. I'm getting poured into by some of my protégés as well. I'm getting poured into by the Kayandas. I'm getting poured into by the Rainas. I'm getting poured into um, by some of the people that are around me, even that are quote-unquote, quote-unquote, under me. But then also just literally being intentional with filling my mind and my heart and my soul, um, one, by taking time to rest, which I think everyone learned in 2020 is a good thing. But even like books that that you might see in the background or podcasts. And don't be afraid. A lot of those books that are up there, some of them I actually read. The other ones I've listened to via audiobook. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to, I mean, I actually always buy the book, but get the information how you get the information. Yeah. And when I say that, based off of what you need. So staying on public speaking, um, like listening or watching YouTubes of public speakers, of of TED public speakers. or things yeah. like that, or yeah. being a part of um, different organizations that hone that skill um, that you're not so much giving, but you're getting your cup refilled and you're able to just take take it in. And so I think that's a uh, also a very important part of the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. And that might take it to four things, but having intentional time to pour back into you so that you can continue um, to give and stay consistent. Because that's how you're able to stay consistent by um, staying uh, on top of your own health and, and recovering, but then also yep. taking other mediums, podcasts, YouTubes, um, any way you get information Instagram, to pour yeah. back into you. Too. Instagram. And, and now Clubhouse.
0: Now Clubhouse.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh so um, no I think that that's very important mm-hmm.
0: No absolutely and I think you touched on another point that I'd just like to, to harp on a little bit the the community you build around yourself not necessarily the people under you or above you that's all part of your community right all part of your network your mm-hmm. community the relationships that you build those are the people that pour back into you that inspire you that, that motivate you that that help you figure out who you are and what you what value it is that you bring to the table when you're doubting yourself, when you've be- gone, you know, gotten off the, the beaten path and strown off of it or straightened off of it. I'm not sure about the wording there, but yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's been incredible because I, I'm grateful that I have a supportive, supportive support system who actually understands me and supports me in, in what I'm doing, like doing interviews like this. And yeah, I think it's, it's very crucial that you find the people who, who truly understand you and and are willing to to give you that feedback in addition to the inspiration and motivation. Yeah, I think you hit a really key point then. Yeah, yeah, no, it is very important. Yep. All right. And so uh, we're moving into the latter half here. I know it's already 10 uh, and I know we wanted to go Instagram live as well. Uh, so yeah, I was, um, this is a really key point. And, and please, by all means, take as much time as you want on this point, because I think it's the, the most important point, uh, especially being cognizant that it is, February, Black History Month. Uh, so how did your culture play a part into your journey as a, uh, you said, a high school football player, as a snafa, as a student pharmacist, and now into your current roles at Eli Lilly and in pharmaceutical industry? Uh, how did that all kind of play a role into your legacy, into leadership, uh, and then you know, failure and self-discovery? How did that all kind of wrapped up and played a role in into who you are today?
1: yeah i mean it's culture is probably the the missing ingredient that a lot of people um try to not incorporate especially at the level that i'm at and, and the level mm-hmm. that i'm going and i think it's very important and culture is a very um uh overused word that people don't really again Explore. think through as much mm-hmm. and, and so for me as i think of culture and i'm not i'm not the dictionary to say this is what it means but what it means <laughs> yeah. to me uh culture is literally um my, my background, my foundation, um, what I choose to, to, if you want to call it, listen to and be around like my ecosystem, and then Mm to what I what I choose to, um, if you want to call it, create. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those three things, my, my background, what I choose to live in presently, and then the the future, um, that's how I I see culture. And for me, being Nigerian is probably the first part of that. And, And more specifically, um, being from a states, um, growing up, um, being called an African booty scratcher, it probably um, made my my uh, skin a little tough, but then also at the same time made me not really um, want to associate with my culture a lot, to be honest. Mm. Um, growing up. And so knowing that in and like still can remember to this day, um, first second grade, missing the first or second day of class, so I wouldn't hear my name called for the role and going to the side of the teacher and telling them like, hey, change Osazua to George. So I wouldn't sound or, or be seen as African, but my last yeah. name is still Opeman. So that's not going anywhere. I still remember yeah. that like yeah. vividly. Mm-hmm. Um But it wasn't until I went to Nigeria and met my grandparents for the first time that I saw, like, I mean, news is crazy. I mean, the news will show you that Africa is nothing but lions and tigers and bears. Yeah, and, just and I like go to Africa and Nigeria. Poverty and no water. Yeah. 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 And you see, I mean, I saw that. I mean, I still to this day have seen houses and cars and stuff bigger and better than I've seen here in America. I'm lucky and I'm blessed that my, my grandfather, he he's a chief. And so similar to being like a mayor or governor here in the yeah. States. And so he has literally acres of land. My mom was one of 12 and just mm-hmm. being taken care of like a king. But then on the flip side, I did get to see the poverty. I did get to see my dad was one of five and, and um, they weren't so well to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting to see where he grew from, and again, if I never ever went back there to see that and see my grandparents, and see like my my family come from, both the sacrifices. Because again, I think my mom um, took a, a level down, and and my mm-hmm. dad took a lot of levels up, just seeing and seeing how they met each other. Obviously, right. um, just knowing what they did for me and staying there for a month might um, give them a crisis that uh, it takes. I think very fast. So sometimes I talk fast, but it, a month is probably for me. It's probably like a year for, for other people, I really contextualized things very quickly. And mm-hmm. so that was all I needed to visualize where I wanted to, to be. And, and so my supreme goal has always been to um, be able to build opportunities back, all the way back to Africa. And I didn't have to do that directly. It was about, that's what drove me to do something non-traditional and, and go the pharma route. And mm-hmm. as I got into pharma, I started to see those same things that I saw for African-Americans and, and Africans um, for pharmacists. I saw that pharmacists weren't seen as equal to other healthcare practitioners, which we see currently, but you see it in pharma, you see MDs are the ones leading at MetaFairs. so you see um, PhDs or or whatever are the ones that are leading strategy in a commercial space, and I wanted to help to change that. And so that was something that I immediately uh, wanted to do and and have successfully at least done my part in building a pipeline, not just at Lilly, but at other companies for pharmacists to be in um, places that they weren't um, literally just four or five years ago before I started. And then if you think of it longer term, and so culture first being my heritage and where I'm coming Mm -hmm. from, then culture being my profession. um, But then Mm -hmm. moving forward, culture being what I feel like I can create. I feel that I can create culture. I don't wait for culture or I don't wait for, honestly, um, where I see life going to Mm -hmm. to be created for me. Obviously, I'm living where I'm living. I'm I'm thankful to God for what he's done for me. But I I wholeheartedly believe you can create the things that you want in this world. And part Mm -hmm. of that is culture. I can create what it means to be a pharmacist in the next five years and having a team of people that at least through pills or through Leap at Lily or through anything else I get involved in in the, in the future to um, help the, the, the people, the teams that do that ties back everything we talked about. It ties back the reputation that we talked about. It ties back the foundation of pills that we talked about of being at every stage and it, and it ties back culture is really like what, you, what are you creating, collaborating or curating um, mm. for other people? because you yeah you can have culture for yourself but culture is amplified when you're able to bring along um, and harness other people and so you bring it by the things that i'm doing um, how am i creating that culture now for others so that they see it and they want to be a part of it as well they i'm creating the vision of what i believe culture will be in the future um, Mm -hmm. and being a part of that across many dimensions whether it is pharmacy tech finances um, friends family um, heritage bringing all those things together in a pot, create and then creating what that looks like versus segmenting it to only being one piece of the pie. So um, it sounded like a lot of words, but in short, culture to me is is where you're from, um, where you are at today and, and where you're going. And I believe um, the first two are, are kind of, hey, they're already kind of set in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But that last one is the one that I don't think too many people um, think through too much and, and also don't feel like they can influence And So I definitely feel that I can create um, or influence the culture moving forward, um, and yeah. I've been lucky enough to do my part in doing that in some of the things I'm involved in today.
0: Yeah, moving the needle. Yeah, no, I, I love to to hear it because yeah, I think a quote that I'm probably going to try to take out of here uh, <laughs> is uh, you you create your own culture, right? Like you create your culture, and and people if they if you're able to create a culture that I guess appeals to enough people and they'll want to be part of that vision that uh, that they that they can aspire to, right? A built buying into a better version of themselves as part of this culture and that's what you're kind of offering right with what what you do through eli Lilly, what you do with pills what you do with leap at lily things like that so yeah no i 100 agree uh to touch on a point that um i think really really resonated with me personally was where you said you when you went back to i think we've talked about this before but you went back to nigeria and i think this was before pharmacy school, right? This was during undergrad. Yeah. Before, yep, 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 before pharmacy school. Before pharmacy school, and you went back to to Nigeria and you saw how your father was a chieftain. Is that correct? Was, it chief? Uh,
1: grandfather was grandfather.
0: a chief? Grandfather was a chief. Grandfather was a chieftain, and you saw how great things were there, but you also saw the poverty. You saw some of the uh, the the misgive misgivings and things like that, and that how that kind of gave you almost like a compass, right? Like it gave you a North star to kind of say, oh, this is who I am. This is, these are my values. This mm-hmm. is my culture, this is my traditions, my values. This is where I come from. And it ground, and it kind of grounds you, right? For me, mm-hmm. it was when I went back to Vietnam, also right before uh, pharmacy school, literally the summer right before, uh, went back for a month and uh, got to see my family. And I had, I had been back before, but I, you know, wasn't of the right age and of the right mindset where I was now, where I was very, uh, my mindset was amenable, I guess, to, to open to that kind of change. And especially because it's right before pharmacy school, I know I won't have the time to do anything else, but yeah, just like seeing the, where my, where I come from, this is where my values are, my traditions, my, my culture, like Lunar, I just celebrated Lunar New year. I take it so much more seriously than I ever have uh, because I know it's, it's part of my responsibility to help perpetuate that culture to, to keep moving it forward but to keep it evolving as well not just to keep it stagnant but to keep it moving it forward into into uh humanity and where we're moving forward with culture across the across the globe um not that i'm trying to spread culture everywhere but just the fact that i embody my culture right and my traditions my values and and seeing but also at the same time seeing the poverty seeing people peeing on the street and defecating on there. And, and, and but also just uh, eating, but also being very content too, with with the state of things are they're very grateful just for whatever it was they have. And I was so surprised because for me, I was like, oh, it's, it's so, there's so much poverty. There's so much like fossil fuels, like gets gas everywhere. Everybody's riding motorbikes and things like that. And I could think, how can anybody live here? But these people, they're just so content, so grateful just for what they have. And that, that's what really hit me. That, that gave me my sense of gratitude, knowing where I come from, but also that if I can help improve things, hopefully they'll be even more grateful for what they have if I can come back eventually someday and help build something there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to harp on that point because it really resonates with me as well.
1: Yeah, no, it, and it, it's funny because you said stuff about the grounding and I and, know and I've gotten a lot of uh, good good kudos on, on my headliner on LinkedIn in terms of grounding Um, I was just about to look, I was going to look that up. (laughs) Generating, growing, but uh, no, it's based off of literally some of the stuff you just said. And and when you talk about grounding, um, it's being, staying grounded in, in like your origin and your origin story and, and, and who and why you're doing what you're doing. So grounding, that's, that's literally where that comes from galvanizing. How are you able to galvanize other people towards a mission to help them understand what their origins and, and what they're, they're, they're doing. Um, And after you galvanize people, how Mm -hmm. are you? How are you generating new and and better and greater opportunities um, with them? Um, And and again, like not everything I've said so far is is doing it with other people. And then lastly, because it's not just you, it's others. How are you growing um, outcomes and and positive outcomes, hopefully um, for the people around you and the people who can't even see you. And that's really what those four things mean. And it's a reminder for me um, to keep a G and and 2021 is really about me born January 21st. Mm -hmm. Um, This is year 2021 after the year that was 2020. And reminding me of why I'm here and how I'm able to, to do that. That's my gift. Um, a lot of the stuff that you hear starts with G. And I kind of ran away from that a little bit. Um, i always focused on the O and the O. Osuzua first or or the legacy, Opaman last. And, and a lot of the stuff that's inside of you is is G, energy. And mm. no matter, um, you heard that word, energy, energy. I'm, I'm, I'm synonymous with that as well. Um, how am I keeping God first? I mean, no matter what God you serve, that's the energy. Um, but then the inner gratitude, the inner grace, the Mm, inner uh, grounding, generating, galvanizing, whatever that energy is, like, how are you keeping that? Um, and really making sure you're keeping it to then, um, make that be embodied for others and more people become attracted to it. And then before you know it again, that's how you create culture. That's how you create an environment. That's how you create the things that we've talked about already. That's how you're able to be at every stage. That's how you're able to build pipelines. That's how you're able to stay consistent Mm. Um, and so those are some of the things that I, I was like, Hey, I mean, LinkedIn always talks about like what you are. Um, and people always think that you have to be what your title is. Like, yeah, that's probably true. And my title is what I create. It's, it's about grounding. Yeah. It's about, um, stuff that have nothing to do with Eli Lilly or pills. It's about who you truly are and what you want to give to the world. Um, it's your and North star. more people see that, it grounds you. Yeah, yeah, it's your North star. Uh, it allows other people to follow that North star too in their way. And, you, yeah. and before you know it, you, you turn around and you've changed the world um, yeah. and you've changed culture um, going back to how we started it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely amazing, Dr. Oberman. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, no, I think a lot of people can learn learn from that. Uh, but just to harp back on a point, because I think you might have skipped over it just a little bit about, I guess, the undergraduate part, TSU, U of H, and, and, and then pharmacy school. Uh, touching back on that point, because we've talked about it before, self-discovery, failure, and, mm-hmm. and just learning about yourself and legacy and how that's played out and how you've learned from those experiences. Failing forward, right? Keep that same energy. Hashtag, right? That's the first one I got from you. Can you speak a little bit about your experiences as a pharmacy student, as a undergraduate student, those experiences of failure of self-discovery and, and regrounding yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, I'll speak a lot of bit about it, and, and yeah, this is probably the first time, you're, you're right, that I haven't said it, like, very, very clearly. I've said it, but I didn't say it as to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the reason why I have this beard is based like off a failure, to be honest, and that's why I'll never cut it off, to be honest. Um, it's when I got suspended from pharmacy school, and uh, I really had to, really didn't care about anything, didn't care about cutting my hair, didn't care about any of those things. What you was uh, this? One, it was uh 20 i don't know exactly but let's just go with 2010 it was like p3 year P year. Um, so okay, i got gotcha. to spend the first semester so i graduated in december so i was off of a semester um and, it, and that that in itself we'll, we'll get to that um yeah. but uh in i was great at chemistry in undergrad orgo chem i got what a's and b's and, mm-hmm. and for those that know orgo chem you don't get a's and b's and so i got a little cocky um and <laughs> as i got into pharmacy school i didn't go as hard in chemistry to be honest So I I failed it the first time, but at Texas Southern, we have it to where you fail a class, you can take it that summer. Well, that was the first summer that they didn't have summer classes. So I had to take it again the following year, which was okay. But then again, I didn't learn my lesson and I failed it again. And if you fail a class twice, you can literally get kicked out, which a lot of people got kicked out because they didn't just fail two classes. Um, I I only failed it by a little bit. I think it was like 0.5. So they gave me one more chance, Um, but I had to get suspended.
0: Just for just for context, for our audience understands something about Texas Southern University. Is that a historically black uh, college university?
1: Yeah. It, there you go. It's an HBCU. HBCU um, so literally right across the state, uh, across the state, across the street from University of Houston. Uh, but yeah, again, in my mind I never saw myself I got into farming school, I never saw myself filling out and mm-hmm. I mean I got really close. Um, no. I got got uh, suspended and literally it was at that time I was my P two year, so now I remember that was my P two year um i didn't know it at the time but that's when my dad and I, again i didn't know this until i kn- knew this my dad fell out of pharmacy school um he did fell out in his p2 year at texas southern university and there was wow. still a professor who for people from tsu would <laughs> know his name dr mo who taught my dad wow. and he was like hey don't don't be like your dad like that's what he told me I'm like, what are you talking about and uh he's like your dad hasn't told you um and that's that was the time where my dad told me the journey of how he got into eight pharmacy school, fell out of all of them. Um, and Texas Southern was the last one. And I wouldn't know that because we're still a middle-class family living in Sugarland. Um, things are going well. Yeah. And he figured it out. And, and uh, obviously that was before me, but that also going back to your question of legacy and understand why I'm here, it scared me straight and mm-hmm. also allowed me to understand why I'm where I'm at, like why I'm at Texas Southern, why I'm pursuing pharmacy and why I got a past chemistry, which I did. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, taking it back to the beard story, it also signified not caring about how I looked, and caring about the most important thing, which was passing chemistry. And yeah. that year I, I grew out my hair and my beard um, and uh, got back into school and promised myself that, hey, I'm not going to worry about what other people think anymore. I'm not going to worry about like things that are not important. Um, but it was also, when you talk about self-discovery, uh, also keen to me to let me know that if I focus, if I pray, if I keep the main thing, the main thing that I yeah. can achieve. Um, so moving forward, it always t- taught me like, hey, things are going to look good or look a certain way, and, and as I get unfocused, always focusing on the main thing. Fast yeah. forward, I was probably the most decorated pharmacy student uh, my P4 year, going for fellowships. Didn't get a fellowship the first time. And again, what did I do? Kept the main thing, the main thing. Um, yeah. Worked for CVS, the same store I've been working at for some time, and then an opportunity um, uh, popped up for me to help lead NAFA um, to, to the level that now. Well, what is um, NAFA, just so people understand? Oh, Snappa, Snappa, not NAPA, Student National Pharmaceutical Association. Um, so I became the first executive chairman um, while at the same time pursuing um, industry. And so that experience, though, gave mm-hmm. me literally on my CV the opportunity to say, hey, yes, i would worked for CVS, but then I also I had the foresight to reorganize the organization mm-hmm. um, and to grow it from at that time, those 3,000 student members had built a plan for it to, to become 5,000, um, helped to build their first social network funny to believe that snafa at that time before me didn't have a twitter or a facebook um because we didn't want to be on social media at the time and helped to build that on out now to where we have obviously all the things that we have uh and i say we say um uh, yeah. because i'm no longer obviously a part of snafa but at the time those experiences were experiences i was able to talk through for um fellowships the following year and and funnily enough when i applied the first time i applied to only regulatory affairs roles mm. um so if you know me, you know that's not who I am. So it was a blessing in the sky. A blessing in the sky. Mm. And so the second year when I applied to um, corporate policy and corporate development roles on top of regulatory, because I still did that, because I thought that was what I was supposed to do, um, that's when I got the offers that I got because my experience is more aligned to that. And yep. so that, that failure, yep. but to your point of failing forward, the first one was, hey, I'm, uh, pharmacy school and being able to understand my dad and my story and why I'm here. The second one was, literally being able to position myself for my professional, professional a bit more. And then the second one would come after I've already got the fellowship, or third, I should say. The third one would come after I've already got my fellowship, and I'm trying to get into marketing. Traditionally yes. at Lilly, you have to get into marketing through the Lilly Marketing Academy. And the Visiting Sciences Fellowship traditionally doesn't put people into marketing. They put people into med- medical affairs or science roles. Um, and so again fighting up a uphill battle i unfortunately didn't get into the lily marketing academy but it got all the way up to the cmo of the company at the time and he said that i can get into oncology marketing um which oncology payer marketing which again as you know marketing yeah. is not truly marketing but hey yeah. it was my yeah. way in but it was yeah. a blessing in the skies because i got to get on a brand and be with a, a leader bob Redman, who was a younger leader and who allowed me to learn very very quickly because he, he was a first-time leader and so he gave me a lot of opportunities that I probably wouldn't have got from a leader that was more seasoned, mm-hmm. uh, probably on accident. But then it also allowed me to see uh, a launch brand. And when we were getting a product from another company, I got to see how, how that got happened and, mm-hmm. and accelerated my learnings. And then also, he was building a team. So over time, I got to pretty much be his chief of staff to help as we onboarded new people over the next year or two. Mm-hmm. So those learnings were very foundational to then propel me to true marketing, putting quotes in the air, um, to where I got to lead the launch of um, Baxini as a consumer marketer. Um, nice. And so as you think of, again, failing forward, I didn't get into LMA, but then I got into marketing directly without the training I was supposed to have, but then got that on on, on the job training through my, my job and, and fire and things like that. And so those three things, long stories of, of failing and, and really looking for lessons within there, but then also not just looking, doing and, and continuing uh, to work through some of those things, so they're not a crutch. Um, sometimes it, uh, failure is is both a learning, but also something that repivots you to where you're supposed to be. And so, always trying to I always try to find the lesson. And when I fail, and it hurts, it things It's not always great. I still, I've had uh, failure or, or heartbreak, especially in 2020, which I'm sure a lot of people have. And I try to intentionally look for the learning. That's what I'm grounded in. Mm. Okay, so what is this teaching me, or where is this repositioning me? Um, and it also forces me to reach out to people I probably haven't reached out to in a long time whenever I'm doing these situations for guidance um, which I think is also important Um, and you'll hear from these people from these things where you're supposed to go um, in terms of uh, what's next and and again like not letting failure cripple you is probably the most important thing allowing it to make you do some type of action whether it's reflection whether it's reaching out to people whether it's recovering um, those types of things where it's not something that you sit in or you stay in for a long time
0: well, I'm going to take a, a little quote out of your book out of what you've written before, but failure, you grow through what you go through. Correct. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. With this. Yep. Yep. yeah yep yep. 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 And, yeah. and, and so then just taking this from, from other, other um, role models that I have in aspirational leaders, like uh, I think it was Oprah Winfrey who says that um, failure is life telling, telling you that you're, you're supposed to change direction or something like that, right? Like it's telling you that that wasn't meant for you, right? But there, there's still other ways mm-hmm. to get there, right? And then like Randy Pausch, right? The last lecture, right? Those brick walls that are set up in front of you, they're meant to keep other people out. But you, mm-hmm. you're meant to climb over the wall. It's just a mm-hmm. matter of how bad do you want it? Is this actually for you? And just ask, telling you to ask the right questions for yourself and learning from those experiences. And so, yeah no i 100 agree uh with learning from failure and, and that's sort of what i've done <laughs> i've failed many many a time now and it and honestly i look for i think gary vee talks about this right like he loves losing he loves just losing all the time because it teaches him more and more about whatever it is he's doing the process how he can refine it and make it better forever for whoever it is he's serving right and i take that to heart yeah. too yeah you know?
1: Yeah, and that last part, because I think people take that the wrong way, what Gary is talking about, um, um, and even as you hear it, like, it, the losing means, like, you're stretching yourself, like, you're really mm-hmm. challenging yourself, and the failure, like, if you're not failing at least once or twice a year, you're probably not trying hard enough, and, and I'm not saying that in a funny way, and some people like to be comfortable, some people like to learn, yeah. on those things. but if you're, if you have a growth mindset and you want to grow, I always could take it back to, to working out, um, and when you work out, and you work out to failure, if you work out and you're always able to lift what you can lift, you're not really growing when yep. you lift to failure and you lift to where you're literally breaking your muscles and not killing yourself but breaking the muscle fibers yep. to then regrow stronger, regrow stronger. Um, yep. that's the same thing with life in terms of what you're going for and you should again be hopefully if you're if you're trying to grow and chase big audacious generational types of change mm-hmm. yep. um, you have to be failing because that means now you're in an area to where either you're going to learn to pivot to a different area or as you just mentioned all right that that was a nice little wall there you yeah. need to get a little bit stronger to climb this wall or mm-hmm. some lights on the wall there. You get it stronger to break through the wall. Right. Um, but if you want it, this is something that's going to be able to, uh, really push you to, to gain new skills and new ways of getting, um, through that wall. So,
0: yeah, no, 100% agree. Yeah. The walls are meant to keep other people out, but not you. Yeah, you're meant to to get stronger yeah, yeah. figure out a way to climb that or just break through it completely whatever it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah so i think uh yeah it's about time I, I know we've already been doing this for a while um yeah did you have any other last minute tips or uh, advice for pharmacy students uh, before we, i let you give a little time to plug anything else that you're doing but specifically right here is any any other advice for pharmacy students specifically
1: Yeah. I mean, this is more long-term because I think pharmacy students um, literally don't understand the power that they have already. Um, So the first part is to be super confident in yourself, whether you got there by tricking the admissions officer, or you got there because your grades, you deserve to be there and you have some gift um, to be where you're at. The second part is not waiting until you're done with pharmacy school to invest back into other people, invest back and forward. And so again, you're smart enough to probably give some uh, even I'll just talk to you directly Norman you're smart enough and savvy enough to give um, some pharmacist advice on how to build their own personal reputation yeah. um, how to deal with tech how to do things like that and so not waiting until you have the PharmD under your name to, to be able to do that which obviously you're not waiting to do that um, but then also investing backwards into the people that want to be in your position there's so many high school people or middle school people who that pharmacy is dead because that's what the world is telling them yep. and then you're literally a living representation of how pharmacists can be um become the the future the um, in a different way and so yep. giving back literally even it's just a talk um, a month or a year to high school and middle school students so that they have a living representation um, you'll be surprised how that pays you back um years from now so um that last part of it so first part again understanding your own power and strengths. two investing forwards and backwards and three, again, uh, keeping that same energy. Like pharmacy is, <laughs> pharmacy school is one thing, uh, but it's, it's really the impact that you make after you graduate. Um, because when I say after you graduate, you're, you're still hopefully using those four years that you've had or eight years for some of you um, as practice to the type of professional change you're gonna make or professional impact you're gonna make um, in our profession. We need more, more pharmacists uh, pushing our profession forward versus talking about all the negative things and reasons why we're not where we're at like you were created or you came to your school to be the reason why the answer um, to our profession and how we can take it forward um, and to literally be at every stage so those are the three things i would leave with any pharmacy student or even current pharmacist um, you are enough um, make sure you're investing forward and backwards um, and then three what are you doing now to make sure that we have a better future tomorrow
0: yeah no yeah. amazing amazing advice amazing advice dr Opman. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and uh, wrap things up. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to plug or anything upcoming events or anything like that, that you wanted to to kind of put a blast megaphone on real fast?
1: Uh, nothing, nothing major. Um, just stay. If you're, if you're not following me already personally, you can follow me at George Jock. you know, I'm off Instagram for some time right now, Yeah. or you can follow pills LinkedIn. Um, at pills connect on Instagram. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm still a little active there, but uh other than that, um, uh, my reputation hopefully will allow you to get to things as they come. Um, right now, again, I'm in a phase right now where I'm staying grounded for the first month and really trying to um, make sure that I got my, my house in order. Um, yep. 2021 is going to be an amazing year.
0: Yeah, so. no, absolutely. It's definitely going to be an amazing year, I think for both of us. All right. Well, Dr. Opperman, uh this has been an amazing podcast. Uh, once again, this has been Pillow Talk Podcast. We're trying to bridge the gap between Healthcare, entrepreneurship, culture, creativity, and mindset. And uh, I think this is a perfect exemplification of that, uh, of those values and uh, of that goal. All right, Dr. Oberman, absolute pleasure as always.
1: Awesome, man. I appreciate you, Norman. Go coogs U of H, Texas Southern. Hook 'em, Let's hook 'em. It. What's up, Texas? <laughs> What's up, Texas? All right, man. Thanks, man. Texas. Have yeah. a great one.
0: Of course. Have a great one.